Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Jill Thornton, I'd like to thank you for being on again. I think this is your fourth time, a couple times in person and a couple times on the computer. So thanks for being here. It's always good to be with you, Kevin. Thank you. Um, your subject that you like to talk about is dealing with um, transgender. And we're going to be talking today a little bit about past, now, and future, dealing with the topic of transgender. So let's jump into it. Let's go back to the Trump administration and some of the things that were helpful uh, and maybe some of the things that weren't helpful that he implemented. Well, you know, he was he was really good on this issue. He, he banned the whole transgender movement in the military. Mm-hmm. And, and really, Kevin, that's a that was a weird thing, because what was going on is, is transgender people were joining the military in order to get the government to pay for their surgeries. Right. And so they would want to reassign their sex by having, you know, what they call either top or bottom surgeries. Mm-hmm. And they were they were wanting the military to pay for it, which means the government pays for it, which means taxpayers pay for it. Right. And Trump banned that and just said, no, we're not going to do that. We won't let them serve at all. And then he, you know, Obama had issued a directive to the education, uh, all of the, the educators across the country mm-hmm. saying that if you didn't allow transgender kids to use the bathroom that they wanted to use or the locker room that they wanted to use that he was going to stop all federal funding and trump undid that ban as well okay. and said we're not going to social engineer through our schools we're going to allow our schools to be our schools and and kids use the bathroom of the of the gender they had at birth and not a gender you know the transgenders love to call it a gender that's assigned at birth we're not talking about a gender assigned right. at birth we're talking about the gender you're born with scientifically physically genetically all of those things and so trump was really good on this issue uh, you know which was a little bit surprising to me because uh, trump is very uh, open and sympathetic uh, to the whole lgbtq community generally speaking although he got a fairly bad rap with that but i think he was probably as open to anybody in politics other than barack obama i mean had he followed up george w bush or even bill clinton he would have been considered very progressive on these issues, but he followed up Obama Mm -hmm. and he just wasn't willing to force these issues down people's throats and not willing to force it to say, we're going to require you to do these things based on sexual orientation or gender. And I I think that was a very positive thing about Trump. It was one of the more successful things I think he did. Mm -hmm. Now he wasn't opposed of transgender people being in the military. He was more opposed to the fact that they didn't want the country, us taxpayers, to pay for it. Right. He just refused to to allow the surgeries to happen and to be assigned out in the military mm-hmm. because he said we're not gonna we're not gonna open that can of worms and start having the the government paying for these surgeries because it'll end up becoming the one place you can go that you know you can get the surgeries. You sign up for the military for two years. While you're there, you declare you're a woman, and now you want your surgery. Mm. And so he he shut all that down. I, I suspect you'll see that start to ramp back up now. Okay. So now that's the military. What about things in school um, back during the Trump administration? Um, you know, parents not knowing their kid is being transgender, mentally changed, uh, things right. like that. What was happening well, in that time period? You know, he was, he was good on that issue, too. He rescinded Obama's uh, letter of determination to the schools through the Department of Justice, and they wrote a, a different letter saying that you cannot we're not going to allow the, the transgender students to have access to the bathrooms and locker rooms. 
there's always been a push in the schools and it's not coming from the government this is coming from uh, coming from all of the um the advocates and the and the the people the agenda driven people mm-hmm. that are saying you know look don't tell the parents that the kids are transgender if you suspect that the parents aren't going to be open to this if you think that and i've seen a lot of this information comes from the aclu from glisten and other gay advocacy groups that'll say just keep the parents out of this so they'll go so far as to tell teachers that when you when you work with the kids you call them whatever name they want to go by Mm -hmm. you call them by whatever pronouns they want so if you've got a little boy that says, I, I think I'm a girl and I want to be called Jane instead of Jim, and I want you to call me she instead of he, they'll encourage the teachers to do that in the classroom, but when they have a parent-teacher conference, to go back to calling them with the names that are on their records that the parents expect so as to keep the parents from knowing that these kids are transgender. Right. With the idea being that that we don't want these parents to get mad at the kids and angry and, and do all these mean things to the kids, like parents are going to abuse their kids over this, and it is just it's a very deceptive practice now that's not that's not coming out of the schools it's being pushed upon the schools oh okay you know educators are, are pretty solid people for the most part you got liberals conservatives and moderates in education and and most educators don't want to manipulate kids and don't want to drive the social agenda they really got into education because they love kids and they want to teach them mm-hmm. but these these agenda driven groups are pu- were pushing this stuff really big under obama they they were still pushing under Trump, but they weren't getting any help from the Department of Education. Okay. Now they'll get help from the Department of Education in the new world we live in now with Biden. Hmm. Okay, let's go talk a little bit about. Um, I want to get to the part the feel that you for the, you're as a lawyer to deal with the rights of the parents who are fighting the fact that their kid is being transgendered. You know, um, but before we do that, let's talk a little bit about sports. We're now um, in the past during uh, Trump's administration dealing with the fact that uh, a boy cannot be in a girl's um, sporting event because it's, you know, yeah, that, not you made know, that way. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, Biden has issued an executive order that declares that you have to allow uh, children to participate in sports based on uh, what they what they believe their sex is rather than what their sex actually is. So that boys, you know, it's it's really a, a weird phenomenon, Kevin. You don't have a lot of girls claiming to be boys and then trying to compete in boys sports. Right. You, I've only heard in my lifetime a few times some girls have played football. I've heard of that. Right. Know. But 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 when they did that, like the girl that just played football in the in NCAA Division One, mm-hmm. she came in as a girl. Right. She wasn't claiming to be a guy. Right. And therefore had to be eligible for the football team. She came in as a girl. She was a kicker. She was a soccer player. Mm-hmm. She was a world champion soccer player and said, I want to kick on the football team. And they allowed her to do that. So, you know, that's a whole different issue. What we're talking about is boys that are that are claiming to be girls. And, and I'm, I'm not doubting the sincerity of these kids. Mm-hmm. The trouble is, is that physiologically men are built differently than women. Boys are built differently than girls. We have more muscle mass. We have uh, stronger, denser bones. We have larger lung and heart capacity, which means that we can generate more oxygen and more blood flow, which means that we can compete at, at, a, at a higher level. Here's an example of, of sports. The fastest woman in the world right now in the 100-meter dash, if she, if you took her, her, I think her time was is 46.25 seconds. That doesn't sound right. But it, anyway, her time, if you took her time as a world record holder, mm-hmm. 
There are 300 boys in high school right now that are beating that time. Oh, wow. And she's the woman's record holder mm-hmm. in running. That gives you an idea of how, how, what a huge difference. This woman has won more gold medals in the Olympics than Usain Bolt. Wow. The fastest man in the history of the world. And yet, and yet she's not any faster than, than high school boys. Uh, now, that's not to belittle her. Right. That's to say that it's not fair to let boys compete against her because they have a body advantage that a girl will never have in anything that requires endurance, uh, quickness, strength, all of those things. And, you know, running is all about how much oxygen and blood you can get into the muscles over a continued period of time. Right. And so that's an unfair advantage that boys have in those sports. And that's why when you see boys get over here and compete in girls' sports, they always do really well. They go to the top of the, the food chain. Hmm. And it's just, it's not fair to girls. And the irony is, is that this is creating some very strange bedfellows, if you will. Right. It's creating a, a market where, uh, Radical uh, gay and lesbian feminists mm-hmm. are radically against men competing in women's sports. They feel like they spent the last 40 or 50 years carving out a place for women in sports through the Title IX programs right. and the Title IX law that was passed into law in the 70s. And so they, they feel like we finally got what we deserve. We've got our own space and we're getting treated equally because they're required to have the same basic number of scholarships in the college for for girls and boys, regardless of, of how much uh, revenue is generated by the sports, mm-hmm. because most of the revenue in colleges in the NCAA Division One in particular is generated through football and then basketball. And then mm-hmm. baseball might generate a little bit, but football and basketball are the money makers. And the, the Title IX laws have forced them to disperse that money throughout the, the, the universe, the university universe, right. so that girls are getting a fair share of that. Now, after they've spent all this time carving out this space, suddenly they're losing the ability to compete because they're now saying that boys should be allowed to come over into this universe that should be occupied only by girls. Mm. And, and that's so it's creating uh, some really strange alliances because there's a lot of people that are saying this just isn't fair. It's, it's not the way that sports are supposed to be. You can't. Pay. It's like saying we're going to we're going to allow. 15 year olds to compete against 10 year olds in basketball. Right. And we're not going to, we're no longer going to bind them by their age. And 99 times out of 100, the 15 year olds are going to be better than the 10 year olds. You're going to find a 10 year old every now and then that comes along that's a prodigy that right. can compete with the 15 year olds. But that's not, the, that's the exception, not the rule. Right. All right. So that's some of the past things. Now, now we have a new president in office, uh, President mm-hmm. Biden. And we've talked a little bit on some of the changes he's already made. Let's talk a little bit more of some of the things that you see that he, he has done or probably will be doing in the future, unfortunately. Well, yeah, I mean, he seems really driven to to push this agenda, mm-hmm. uh, like even more so than Obama. I mean, Obama didn't start off with this kind of bang. Of course, Obama had to learn how to run, uh, how to run the executive office because he'd never been in that kind of power. And Biden has as vice president. But he really seems bound and determined to drive this agenda uh, on the transgender, the the same sex issues, uh, all the LGBTQ issues. He seems really like he's going to push it harder than anybody has before, and I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be some very strange times. Now you've got the courts are poised to uphold the right of women in sports. Mm-hmm. Now the difference will be now under Obama or under Biden, you'll have. The, um, the, the courts, when they file these cases, the Department of Justice will be joining the side 
of the transgender kids. Mm-hmm. Under Trump, you had the Department of Justice joining the, the court cases on the side of the non-transgender kids, or the women in the sporting issue. So they were issuing directives and guidances that said Title IX does not, is not a gender-specific title. It's a sex-specific title, and sex is a genetic marker, and you can't change it, and we're going to live with it the way it is. So you had really good... Um, support from the government in these cases, what's going to happen now is you're not going to get any support in the government. So, for example, if somebody sues uh, the government over the transgender issues, over transgender laws, you're going to find the Department of Justice will not even put up a defense. Mm. They'll just they'll just say, no, these laws are right. and, And they're not going to be willing to join them. We had that happen several times in the abortion cases when abortion cases would come through with the Department of Justice. Uh, would not join on the side of a pro-life plaintiff, even though that was the government that was being sued, they wouldn't come in on the same side. They would come in on the side of the people that sued them. Mm -hmm. And they're going to do that in the transgender. So they have have a a transgender person suing the government over this issue, and the government has an obligation to defend the laws Mm -hmm. and to put up a defense. But instead of doing that, you'll start to see the Department of Justice go over to the plaintiff's side and issue all their briefs in support of the plaintiff's motion, and there'll be nobody there to defend the side of the law against the transgenders, hmm. which is a, a really twisted way to do it because now the yeah. courts are in a quandary because how do you make a decision when you haven't had anybody put up a defense? I don't know. One of the things I will ask, ask you is how do you think the response to the, the, the Christian world will react to all this stuff? Because it is getting, we're getting censored. I mean, it, it was, you can see in the politics that, you know, we were censored, the conservative Christian viewpoint, but it's going to get more in, in the other things such as transgender and stuff like that, where you can't say certain things, you can't be against certain things, otherwise you get censored. What do you think is going to be going on in that realm? I, you know, I think it's going to be a fight, but I think at the end of the day, the First Amendment wins. Okay. And, you know, the, that's the, the one issue, though, is right now, most everybody's outlet for, for their free speech is through social media. Mm-hmm. And social media is not government run, so you don't have a First Amendment right there. Right. When they, when they shut you down, they're a private business. Now, they're very much in bed with the government. They've been given a lot of grants and a lot of right. leeway and a lot of legal help from the government. So it's quasi-government. But at the end of the day, social media can do what they want to do unless the government gets it under control, and they're not going to over the next four years. No. You're not going to see them going, well, we got to stop this censoring of conservative speech because uh, the side that's in power now likes the censorship. It's ironic that, you know, the, the Democrats of the 60s that were the free, the, the free thinkers and the, the free society and the free speech and the anti-war and the pro-drugs and, and you know, the summer of love kids— they're all now on the opposite side of these constitutional issues where they used to be purist. Mm-hmm. And they used to say, we believe in speech. you got to allow all speech. But it's just like what happened in the, in the evolution cases. Mm-hmm. When, when the Scopes monkey trial was going on, the lawyers for evolution said, we don't want to take creationism out of the schools. We just want the chance to have an equal hearing for evolutionary theory. So we're not telling you that you can't. Uh, go in the schools and teach creation, and we don't want you to take it out. We just want to have a chance to teach evolution. As soon as they were allowed to teach evolution, they began working to shut down the right to to offer any theories on creation except evolution. Hmm. So they immediately began to do the opposite of what they said they wanted to do. And that's what you're seeing now is now that they have power, 
They don't mind cutting out speech they don't like, which is always a dangerous proposition. Now, are you talking about private companies or government on that? I'm talking about government on this. I'm talking about right. the, the liberal Democrats. Okay. And, and now that they're more than, see, they're happy with social media shutting all this down. Right. Because, because it just makes it where uh, conservatives can't get their voice out. Right. And, and so what you're going to see is they're going to continue to allow that to happen rather than stepping up and trying to stop it because they don't want to stop it. Right. They keep it going. They're kind of um, putting a blind eye to things, turning their head to the situation of uh, being censored. Think about being censored on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and any other provider is you have no place to go to to fight. You know, you know, yeah. they, you go to their words if they're a fact checker. And I've had people that I know that have facts about something that they did themselves, and they were, in, you know, fact checked that they were wrong. No, I know, and it's in the trouble is. I got I got banned from Twitter a couple of times, and I would appeal the ban, right. and you don't ever hear back from them. No, it's not like they they respond and go, "Hey, we looked at it and, and decided you're wrong, and you're still banned." They would just go, "Man, you take the you take the tweet down, you can be back on." Right. And I you know I had a seven day suspension that lasted a month and a half because I couldn't <laughs> get them to respond, and I filed three appeals trying to get them to respond, and they never they never acknowledged the appeal at all. Mm -hmm. And so, so you don't have any you don't have any recourse in a situation like that. No, not like a government. You have the law and stuff like that. They're privately owned. Yeah, they can do what they want. If, exactly. they, if you don't like it, there's the road. You can take it and go somewhere else. But unfortunately today, um, such as Facebook, Twitter, there's not really many opportunities. Because look at um, Pollard became a conservative you know, voice uh, in a sense. Uh, mm -hmm. Free speech and stuff like that. And so Apple, Google, and all that said, okay, well, if you want not a guide by our rules, you, um, we're, gonna take you, we're not going to put you in our app store. And then, and then that Amazon was fine. Shut down their servers. And then, yeah, Amazon says, "Hey, I'll do even one better. Uh, you're, you're kicked out of our, our place. Right? You know, you can't put your you know program on our server." So, yeah. I mean, it's it, as I said, we've seen this. I hope people's eyes were open because it was politics, a lot of politics, and you know, and, and people being censored and stuff. But the next step is the Christian world. I mean, very much that, you know, you, if you don't say something that they like, uh, you're banned. Like you were banned on Twitter for a while. And, uh, I basically yeah. got rid of Twitter anyway. I don't care, <laughs> but unfortunately we have Facebook and YouTube, which, um, I've been talking to people who says we need an alternative, but again, if we have our video somewhere else, it, we're, who's, who's supplying the server? You know, do they can make a decision right. unless you have your own server, which was costly, very costly. Maybe, you know, one day, maybe Trump will start his own server company. You know, I don't yeah, know. I mean, it's going to take that. I know a lot of people are moving their stuff offshores, even their even their um, websites. They're moving them offshore so they don't have to worry about the censorship issues. Because you're going to see that more and more. There's there's a lot of hacks that are going on on conservative websites right now, even churches, mm -hmm. where they'll have twenty or 30,000 uh, bots attacking them, trying to shut down their websites and trying to crash their servers just because they don't like the message of the church and they don't like the message of a conservative. And and that, that part is troubling to me because this is how we communicate with the world now. Mm -hmm. uh, we communicate with the world through social media. And if you don't have access to social media, then you can't communicate. And if your message doesn't get out. And then if you add to that, the government having access or control of the schools and the government deciding what's going to be taught in the schools and what mm -hmm. isn't going to be taught, and what we're going to do in the bathrooms and what we're not going to do in the bathrooms and all those things, then you've just, you've got a world that you can't, you don't have any control over the message that your children are getting while they're at school. Right. And then when you've got parents who are being told, 
we don't care what you think. Stay out of this. You don't have a right to speak. The kids are in school. They belong to us. So what do you do about that? That's one of the reasons I'm working with this organization, Child and Parental Rights Campaign, mm-hmm. in order to, to fight for parental rights because parents ought to have the ultimate say-so in what happens to their children. Mm-hmm. Now, do you feel your workload is going to increase uh, 100-fold it's now? Gonna, it's going to blow through the roof, Kevin. Yeah. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go uh, – it's going to it's going to explode because mm-hmm. uh, we're we're getting calls from all over the country. We've got a case in Arizona right now with a family that the the Cal, or the Arizona Child Protective Services has taken the child and won't give the child back because the parents won't affirm the child wanting to become a boy. And and that kind of craziness is is starting to go on in more and more places around the country and so it's just going to get worse and worse. It's not getting better because uh, for some reason the science the, the, the party of science, the Democrats who told us we've got to follow the science, we've got to do what the mm-hmm. science says, are ignoring the science on the transgender issues. Right. So other than the things that we've talked about a little bit about, you see the trend. What other trends that maybe we haven't mentioned that you might see kind of foretell in the future here that, you, that they're going to be going after some other things? Um, we've got the military, we've got the schools, we've got the sports. Um, is it corporations, you know, like working, you know um, – Obviously. They're already going after corporations like my pillow. Uh-huh. You know, oh you've yeah, got, you've got you, this cancel culture is going after everybody, and they're going after churches, mm-hmm. and you know they're trying to shut churches down uh, in different live venues and and things like that. And you got the government in California working hard to shut down the church. The government's in New York doing that, uh, so I think that's going to continue. There's a backlash to all this because people are people are generally conservative. In America, and they generally don't like the government intervening, mm-hmm. and they don't like one party being in power. We've learned that over and over again. Right. That, that you know we've got to, these guys need to remember there's an election coming up in two years, and they can't count on being able uh, to corruptly overthrow all these elections because all of that information on the election is going to come out over the next two years. Right. And you're going to see states in the next this year in their in their general assemblies and their their um. Uh, different works that the legislatures are doing in states, mm-hmm. you're going to see them uh, working to tighten up their election laws in a lot of places, especially conservative states like Georgia. You'll see some tightening up of election laws so there's not so much room for fraud going on. Right. And so they can't count on fraudulently winning these elections. And the the, the voting population is going to turn against them, frankly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see that happen in the next election, possibly the, the election after that. That you'll see it turning, you know, part of it depends on whether or not the Republicans become an, an, a, a voice for conservative people or not. Because mm-hmm. the Republicans kind of let us down on this last election. Big time. Big time. I know, mean, it's, not enough, it, it's not enough to hate Trump. Uh, you've, you've, got to, you've got to stand for something, and you can't just stand for getting somebody out. Mm-hmm. And they didn't stand for the right things. You know, when you look at the stimulus package, $2.3 trillion we're spending, most a lot of it going overseas. Mm. And Republicans voted for it just like Democrats did. Right. And they just they didn't offer any explanation for it. They just said, well, we got to have it. We're going to vote for it. And somebody's got to stop. At some point, somebody has to say, we can't keep spending money we don't have, especially for people that we're not in charge of. I used to always have a saying, if the American, you know, America was a, gov- um, a, com- a company, it would be bankrupt 
it, and it would be embezz- it would making its own money, so it prints its own money, uh, and it would it would be not existing anymore because it, we if a human a person like myself or yourself spend more money than we make, eventually credit is going to get it catches catch up to us. It's yeah, none of us can live like this. Yeah, and and, and you get the government constantly say, "Oh, I need another trillion dollars." Hey, go print another trillion dollars up, you know, and and, and then they just there's nothing yeah, backing. When you're having to sell that off to China to get them to approve it and all this right. stuff, so you're just you're just creating this this false sense of well-being, and and at some point the government's got to stop. I have a friend who said, you know, I used to say the government spends money like a drunken sailor, but I feel like now I have to apologize to drunken sailors because I used to be a drunken sailor, and I know that when I ran out of money, I quit spending. Right, and, and the not the government. Not even doing that. No. They, they'll just keep printing it and they'll just keep doing it and, and next thing you know we're so far in debt well you know our grandchildren and grandchildren grandchildren many generations down the road are still paying the the, the, the bill you know. yeah and we're we're there i mean we've we've passed that point so already at yeah. some point somebody's got to say enough is enough and it doesn't look like the republicans are going to be any better than the democrats at that what do you think about the cause of having another third party you think that would be good or bad i'm, I'm, all, I'm all in Oh, yeah. I, I think it's good, and here's why. Um, but it's got to be a party that, that can draw 10 to 15% of the vote. Right. You don't have to have more than that, but you need enough of the vote so that nobody can have a 50% majority without talking to the coalition. Right. So, for example, if you're, at the, if you're in the Senate and you, have, um, and, and you have 15% of the vote, you have 15 members of the Senate that are in your new party. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Democrats have you know, 40 people, the Republicans have 45 people, neither one of them have a 51 majority, Mm -hmm. so nobody's in charge. They've both got to reach out to that third party. It's what Europe does all the time. You have to build coalitions to get anything done. Right. So it automatically invites the one thing that's supposed to work in in politics, and that is compromise. Mm -hmm. Now, compromise is a really bad word in the Christian world, because compromising your faith, compromising your beliefs, compromising your morality is a bad thing. But compromising your politics is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so if you had a party that could pull about 15 to 20 percent of the vote, you would have enough of the vote in a third party that both of the parties would have to deal with them. So the Democrats say they had 40 senators. If they pull over the the, the senators from the from the independent party, if they can pull them all over then they suddenly have a majority for this vote. And if the Republicans can pull them over for something else, they have a majority. So you kind of go back and forth with it. Right. And it keeps everybody in check better. I think it's a great idea. Mm, okay. I know I know. we're all, us Republicans are thinking of, you know, it, they let us down a lot, you know, and why keep supporting people that are, are wishy-washy, you know, waffling. And, yeah. you know. I, I made a vow on Facebook that I'm done. Right. I'm not voting for any Republicans in office in any more elections. Right. Yeah, you've seen a lot there in, in, here in Rome, Georgia. So you've seen a lot go on with your uh, Georgia state runoff. Of your yeah, senators. I mean, I, I watched this whole thing be corrupt, and I watched nobody step up to fix it. Nobody step up to go, hey, we've got to figure out. Listen, here's what we still don't know at this at this moment, Kevin. We don't know how corrupt these, this last election was. We don't know right. if it was enough to overthrow the election results or not. We We just don't know. Right, but we know there was enough there that it needs to be looked at, and yet nobody's willing to really look at it. Everybody's kind of dodging around, going, "Well, we'll just fix it for the next time." But this time was fine, and I'm convinced that in Georgia, Donald Trump and David Perdue won the general election on no- in November. Yeah, uh, 
it was you know Trump lost by by twelve thousand votes, twelve thousand five hundred votes, I think it was. And there's no doubt in my mind that there was more than twelve thousand illegal votes cast in Georgia mm-hmm. for Joe Biden. Uh, Purdue lost by by he he was, you know, a, a a fraction of a percentage away from winning the election outright. I think the same thing happened to him. That changes the outcome of everything in Georgia. It changes the makeup of the Senate right, right there, that one that one action. And so I don't know that there was enough in other states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, to overturn the election or not. We won't know that for a year or two, probably. Right. But at some point, we'll know it. But but Republicans didn't stand up and didn't do the right thing. And no. I think if they started a Patriot Party, I'd join tomorrow. Mm, I probably would be right with you. Um, one of the things I'm thinking about is people don't realize this. Um, we can't use that F word because then we get banned. <laughs> you know, right. they'll, they'll put something under, which drives me crazy. They'll put something under a YouTube video like Joe Biden is president of the United States. If you use the F word, you know, it used to be a swear word. Now you, it's just a normal word, you know, but yeah. This has been going on. Um, we haven't noticed it. I mean, it, it's probably gone on before, but um, from Clinton, you know, all the way up from Clinton, all the way up, even the Bushes. Uh, because we, as a Republican, we got our Republican president. Oh, great. But there might have been fraud during that time period. You know. Well, we know there was fraud in the 1960 election between Kennedy and Nixon. Right. Nixon walked away from it and said, I'm not willing to destroy the country just to become president right now. Right. And we know that Kennedy's father bought bought votes in Illinois and about four other states. Mm-hmm. Now, that's come out over a period of time, but Nixon knew it at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's been the cry all, all along as well. We should do like Nixon and not destroy the country over an election. But that's not the point. Is The point is, if we're not having free and fair elections, then mm. we're, we then what's the point? Right. Why even bother to go vote if if my vote doesn't matter? Right, I why agree. Go vote, and I'm not talking about it doesn't matter because of the vote. I'm talking about if it doesn't matter because there's so much fraud that it doesn't matter what you do. They're gonna they're gonna turn the election. Then why well, bother voting? Why? Well, especially when they stop. I mean, elections usually run through, and it's done at three o'clock in the morning. This year, they said, okay, you know, multi states, we're stopping, and <laughs> uh, we're all going home yeah. and go to bed. And then they didn't go home and go to they bed. They did, right. They didn't go home and go. But never in life. It, just those kind of weird things that, you know, that, I mean, I don't, you know, there's a lot of things that went on. I wasn't there. I can't speak. Um, you know, if Republican people could not oversee things, they were, you know, put across the room or kicked out of the building. All those things are not legit. I mean, right there alone should say there's something going on. That's what I'm saying is, is we deserve to have a look at this and we will. All of these lawsuits that were filed, I think they finally got the last number I heard, I think was 87, that, you know, all 87 lawsuits were dismissed. That shows there was no fraud, but it doesn't. Or it shows there was no widespread fraud is what George Stephanopoulos says. But but the truth of the matter is, is we don't know because they were all thrown out on procedural grounds. None of mm. them were thrown out because there were no facts presented. They were thrown out because a ju- the judges didn't want to deal with it. Judges don't like to overturn elections. Right. Because it just it, it's it puts the country in a rough place. So the judges didn't have the courage to deal with it. And so they moved on. And we don't know. But we'll eventually find out because those cases, most of those cases are being appealed. Mm-hmm. At some point, an appellate court will order a lower court to go back and look at the evidence and see what the evidence suggests. I know a couple of cases in Georgia. A friend of mine filed one case in Georgia that that has that shows there were about 20,000 fraudulent votes cast in Georgia at a, just a cursory look through the Secretary of State's records. Mm-hmm. And those 20,000 votes, you can bet they were almost all for Biden. Biden won by 12,500 votes. You throw out those 20,000 votes, Trump wins Georgia. Mm-hmm. It doesn't It doesn't take a massive 
voter fraud effort to change an election that's that close. Right. The same thing in Arizona. Arizona's election was about eleven or twelve thousand. So it doesn't take you know hundreds of thousands of illegally cast votes to turn these elections. It doesn't take manipulating the machines when you allow mail-in votes to come in and then you don't check the signatures. Mm-hmm. You don't have any ID requirements at the polls. You're letting people vote two or three times. Uh, all of those things we know go on in every election. The question is, does it rise to the level? of fraudulent election to overturn the results. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we need an answer to. And I think we'll have an answer. It's just going to be too little too late. Right. Um, the ship has already been hit and sinking. Um, there's a lot of corruption in the government. Um, what can the church do, you think? I mean, it's because we have different views. Right now, I've told Charlie and other people, uh, we're in a prophetic war right now. Uh, the prophets are, are against each other. You have the ones that believe Trump should have stayed in office and won. And then you have the other ones that have repented and, you know, given up in a sense and, 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 and just repented, you know, for missing it. Right. Right. Well, we're a constitutional republic, and so the Constitution ultimately rules. And at the end of the day, Trump did the right thing by walking away. Right. No doubt in my mind about that. Even though he believes he was cheated out of the election, and I do too, it was still the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what we have to do as the church is the church has to. I remember when I first started working with Jay Sekulow, mm-hmm. he used to say this all the people were all the time trying to get him engaged in politics. And up until Bush became president, he never engaged. But he would say to people that would talk about that, he'd go, look, you got to remember one thing, that this is important to the church. Politics never raised anybody from the dead. Mm-hmm. Politics is not the answer. Right. We've been blessed to have four years of Trump as a church that supported our conservative values. And it makes life better when you have a government that supports your conservative values. Right. But the, the, the most thriving church in the history of the world was a church that was oppressed and persecuted to mm-hmm. death. In the in the first century A.D., right. it was the it was the first church that that was basically thrown out of Jerusalem, spread across the world because they were they were trying to not get killed. Right, and as a result, they started what became and and once the once the church was accepted under Constantine in the three hundred A.D.s, you know, about three hundred years after the church was created, once it was accepted by the government, the church began to have problems. <laughs> And it's 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 flagged. You know, you look at the church in China. Church in China is doing amazing, mm-hmm. but they're but they're tearing down the buildings. They're killing people. Right. And I, I'm not advocating for the government to kill Christians and to tear down our buildings, but I'm just saying that that we've got to be careful not to think that government is our solution. And that was part of the problem with Trump. That was the one negative mm-hmm. of Trump is that it was easy to just go, well, Trump will take care of it. Let's not worry about it. Christians need to be praying. Right. They need to be on their knees looking out, crying out to God. God, redeem our land. Don't judge our land yet. Give us some more time. Let us get this fixed. Let us correct this. Let us solve this abortion issue. Let us solve right. Right, Let us solve the, the transgender issue. Let us be, become a righteous nation again and not count on the government to do it. The church has got to do it. This is the church's job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It, it's just, um, you know, it's like, what is this? A, a Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore, as one saying. And, and yeah. it's not, uh, America is not the, the America of our grandparents. It's, it's, I mean, right. even growing up in the 80s and 70s and stuff like that. And, you know, I say, like, oh, man, it was so nice back then. <laughs> I mean, so things good. that, I mean, we haven't even started feeling the persecu- persecution yet of, of, of speech. We're not or, being persecuted in America. To this day, we're still not being persecuted. No, not yet. Christian. No. 
No, not yet. It says that. We're definitely on the road towards that if something doesn't change. And and listen, we're being mocked. We're being discriminated against. We're being made fun of. Right. But nobody's dying for their faith in America. No. And hopefully it won't get to that point. But again, yeah. where persecution is, that's where the church grows. It's pressure. Right. When, when you put pressure on the church, it has to expand. It has to get it. I mean, it's like COVID-19. Um, where did the church go? It says, okay, can't meet in the buildings anymore. Well, we can only meet out in the streets or Zoom or whatever. You know, we, we have to do something different. We can't, we're not in right. a building anymore. So it's, something We've has changed. We've got to become relevant to the culture. Right. And that's no. the main thing that's been missing from the church for a long time. Well, we've had relevance inside the church. But we haven't had we haven't been relevant to the culture in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I and we got to get bold enough to be speaking what is truth, whatever whatever happens to us, whether we get banned. It's like when I do shows. I mean, I, I do podcasts and stuff like that. And I can't be worried about like if one of my guests or or I might say something that somebody might not agree with, and next thing you know, I'm banned or whatever. It says you know you got to speak your mind. You got to speak what God is putting in your heart. And, right. and a lot of Christians need to do that. They can't be afraid to hide in the building and say, well, I don't want to get persecuted. I don't want to get people made, you know, not like me or whatever, you know, get over it. It's just like, hey, you're going to get persecuted anyway, whether you say something or not. And I said that to somebody today, uh, yesterday. You might as well say something. <laughs> yeah. Because if you and don't, you know, it's still going to get persecuted. Yeah. And it, listen, if, if you're not willing to be persecuted for your faith, you might need to get saved. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you well, look at, you look at, listen, Jesus suffered the ultimate for, for setting up the faith. Mm-hmm. The apostle Paul, Peter, uh, you know, all of the apostles except for John suffered the greatest suffering they could and gave the greatest sacrifice they could. Thomas gave the greatest sacrifice of all by, by laying down his life mm-hmm. and becoming the first martyr for the church after Jesus. All, all of those things were important to the church. Most of the people in the church weren't called to die. Right. Not even in the first century. Most of the people in the first century church lived and continued to live and, and died of old age or, or some disease or whatever killed people in the first century. Right. But right. yet there were some people that were called to stand so firm that they were willing to die. And other people that were called to stand so firm they were willing to die, but they didn't have to die. Mm-hmm. It's not that God requires our death. He has to be, he has, we have to be willing to give our life. Right. In order to to redeem life on this planet. That's just the that's how the gospel works. That's why it's it's the true way to God and it's not just some made up man made religion because it's not about just becoming a better person. It's about being willing to die to yourself in order that God can live through you. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm trying to do is study on John the Baptist, because John the Baptist, he was against the government because um, I'm not sure all these names. It was a Herod or I don't know who it was who was having an affair. Uh, and basically, he was against it and he spoke he spoke against it. And basically, right. I got his head cut off. But but he he stood his ground and he spoke what was right, you know, and what the government, which at that time was doing, was wrong. And he, he pointed out to him, hey, you're doing something wrong. And I think we need to have more John the Baptist and people right now of saying, yeah, hey, I, I don't stand for that. I don't care what you do to me. You, This is not God. This is not God's principles. Uh, you need to repent, you know. Yeah, I, I'm 100% with you, Kevin. I think that, that it's time for people of principle to stand up and say, I, I'd rather live a righteous life than a long life. Mm-hmm. I'd rather stand out and stand up for God than live to be 90 years old. Right, and we're kind of trapped by the the niceness of life in America. Right, uh, to, to looking at longevity as being 
the determination of whether or not we've lived a good life, and it's not. It's about what have we done for God's kingdom? How have we brought the kingdom into the world? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's wrap it up a little bit here. Um, one of the things you do, uh, I was listening to you the other day, you're on a radio uh, program in, in Rome, right, Rome? Yeah. yeah. That's where you're from. So talk a little bit about that because you're, you're on there quite often. I mean, you weren't on the last I'm couple of days. Every Friday but- morning. Every Friday morning, okay. Where Every can Friday people fi- find you there? You can catch us on Facebook. We're at WLAQ Rome, R-O-M-E, like Rome, Italy. Uh, it's WLAQ1410.com. You can catch it live on there as well on their website. It's just a local talk show. It was a just a local interest talk show, and mm-hmm. I started doing it, and the guy asked me to do it every Friday. So I come on every Friday, and we talk about national, international events. We're going to be turning a lot of attention to the transgender issues going forward. We're going to turn attention to human trafficking and those issues going forward as well because I've, I've got a big initiative coming up on that. Okay. Uh, but we, I just I kind of come in and talk about whatever's going on politically around the world and, and particularly in America these last few months. I mean, it's all been about the election and Trump and, and the aftermath of all that. And and I, I try to bring common sense to these political idea ideas. I'm very mm-hmm. conservative in my in my belief system. I'm I'm moderately I'm more I'm more moderate in social issues, like mm-hmm. uh, how we treat immigrants, how we treat the poor, what the government's role is, and things like that. Uh, but on the on the hard issues like life and fiscal, I'm a, I'm a radical conservative. But at the same time, I believe that we've got to have a conversation, mm-hmm. and that there's got to be room for us to disagree. And so we, we pride ourselves on, on being our disagreeing without being disagreeable. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's cool. And that's every Friday. Cause I catch it. Now I, I get a notification on my watch that you've gone live. So I, I can tune it in on my, my phone okay. or my okay. iPad. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so. You can always catch us on Facebook and, and it's a, it's running live on Facebook on Fridays, but it's also, it's kept on the WLAQ webpage so that, or their Facebook page so that you can go back and watch the old programs on there, too. Okay, and I'll put a, a link to that in the bio in the description below so that, will, that way people can follow that and watch you and listen to you, too. So, uh, Is there any place else that people can um, hear you or see you or, or anything like that? Uh, you know, not right now. I, I do a travel blog that I, I haven't really kept up with it lately. Um, but um, it's at joelthornton.com. Okay. And um, yeah, joelthornton.com, not .net. Yeah, joelthornton.com. You can find it there. And it's it's about the travels I do in Israel and Europe and other places. So, okay. um, but but there's not a lot of other places where I'm speaking right now. I'm about to start doing a little bit more speaking publicly around the country as things mm-hmm. open back up. So uh, there'll be opportunities as time goes on. Yeah, I know we got a couple of events. I have to talk to Charlie about it. I think we have a, a meeting up at Brian Higby's church, but I haven't got the details yet. And I know well, we have a, we're going to have a meeting in Branson in April. Branson, and that's what I heard. Uh, we're going to have one up in Pennsylvania in um, I think in May, and then we're going to have one uh, in Louisiana in September. Okay. I know we were supposed to have one, but again, as I said, I've been sick, so I haven't had yeah, a chance to talk I to think, him. I think he's not doing the one down here. The one locally i think they're not i think he's he's talking about building a church in Me- our house in mexico instead oh okay interesting uh, yeah so i gotta uh, figure out which where i'm going you know the, the, the east coast one is easy because i could drive there the branson one i have to fly i'm not driving yeah. i'm not bringing as much equipment as i did last time you know unless i drive and then i'll bring all kinds of yeah. video audio I, equipment. i'm sure there'll be people that are driving i'll probably drive well yeah 
the, the Branson one? Will. Yeah, I probably will. I'll wait and see. Yeah. I, I, again, I haven't got the details yet. I know they, the brothers were getting together and talking about it. But as I said, since I haven't really been around the office much to see Charlie, I haven't asked him what finally yeah, we had they, a they conversation decided. about it right before I got on here. Okay. That's why that's all fresh in my mind. Okay, cool. All right, good. All right. Well, Joe, I'd like to thank you for joining us today and, and, and putting your input into what's going on in the society right now. So thanks again for being here. Kevin, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. You do a great job. Thank you. I appreciate it. Everybody else, thank you. You've been joined. This is the Millennium Beat, your host, Kevin James, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beats podcast, encouraging the world one story at a time. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your stories, so send them to stories at themillenniumbeat.com or give us a call at 407-624-9957. You may find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Please like and follow us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website, at www.themillenniumbeat.com where you'll find our last 25 podcasts, our list of our different platforms you may listen to or download our podcast, our latest YouTube videos for all our shows on the Millennium Beat Network, a calendar with past and future guests for all the Millennium Beat Network shows. Also, there's pages with pictures of all our guests and hosts. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us at info at themillenniumbeat.com. This has been a Millennium Beat production, copyright 2021. The guests' views and opinions may not always be the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC.